Hey guys, thank you for checking out the Brainwave Podcast. I'm your host, Val Miller. This pod, I went a little bit long, fellas, went a little bit long, and uh, girls as well, if you're checking out the pod too. I, uh, speaking on some recent events that have happened with law enforcement, um, and really and truly, well, what I wanted to get to in this, which is I do get to towards the end, is discussing uh, what we need to ask for our police officers. Um, and essentially, I'm asking for it's better customer service. But you'll hear more about it in the pod. Thank you for checking it out. Let's get into it. Hey, you all. Um, Obviously, you guys have probably seen or listened to the news, a lot of stuff. There has, you know, once again, uh, been additional incidents going on um, uh, with people of color uh, versus law enforcement. Uh, I'm going to kind of mention some of that. I'm not going to get really uh, big into it this time. I've did a pod on it before. You can check it out. Uh but there are, I am going to be reiterating some things that I know I said in that last pod and just kind of bring them more up to date uh, with you all. And when I do these conversations, uh, I, I want to pre- preference this as well, like I've done it with them in, before in the past. Uh, I have um, two degrees in criminal justice. I was a military police officer in the United States Army. Um, I do security work now so with that being said i have practiced the actual job and uh what i believe the effectiveness of the job should be and on top of that i'm actually um educated in what have uh criminologists have uh came to study um, over the years um other educators and things like that and it's important to me to always say that because I don't want people to think that I'm speaking from a position of ignorance whenever I talk about these issues. Um, a lot of times you have people who speak, they end up having uh, one or the other, or they end up having, from what I've seen in most cases, X amount of years of actual practice, got the degree at later points in life uh, when they have already have achieved a certain rank. And so because of that, they uh, believe a lot of the things that they're being uh, taught in school is a liberal is a favorite term. A lot of people like to use or uh, we're just being too compassionate and it's not the good old days of law enforcement uh, where it's essentially enforcing, not necessarily community policing. We all would like it to be like the Andy Griffith show, but um, the reality is it is not. So going ahead and getting uh, into it, um, I don't know how to say his last name, so I'm going to just call him, um, I'm going to say the Army LT. So if you guys have seen, uh, there's an Army LT um he is a uh, black and Hispanic. Uh, he was pulled over 
uh, in Virginia, if I do remember correctly. And he was uh, OC sprayed uh, in his vehicle. He said that he received additional uh, knee strikes um, as well, uh, other compliance control techniques to try to get him to comply with the demands that were asked of him. Uh, so to, to, to give you a little bit more background of it, what happened is, is, uh, the LT was being pulled over by a uh, one officer who's no longer with, uh, the department anymore. And another one came for backup, uh, based off of not having, uh, a visible tag, uh, in his window. Uh, it's a new vehicle, uh, to this, uh, uh, for the LT. So he did have a tag. It was displayed um, in the rear windshield and once they arrived they ended up seeing that the tag was there. Depending on how you feel about it, um, when the LT was originally lit up uh, he drove for approximately uh, a minute and 40 seconds to the nearest lit up gas station uh, for what he believed was him and the officer's safety. Um, it was less than a mile uh, travel time. That's important to note as well, because uh, a lot of people, depending on once again how you feel about it, they look at it as he was evading. Uh, from the dash cam, they could say that you could see that the officer engaged his blinker, uh, which is they, you know, depending on uh, reports you've read, they said that he did not. Uh, but the lawsuit states and from what you can see from the dash cam footage that he did engage his blinkers um, went below, way below the speed limit as he um, arrived um, at the BP in the well-lit area. Uh, the police officers believed that this was a, uh, to treat it as a felony stop or a high-risk stop, um, kind of shortly to think about it for you all, but when you do felony stops, essentially you have two, at least two people with you and you proceed to get the person to remove from the vehicle. Uh, you try to get as many occupants as you can guess is in the vehicle, uh, uh, detain the person, uh, proceed to go ahead, uh, search the vehicle. Uh, but while that's going on, you end up telling the person what was the need uh, for the felony stop. Felony stops typically are on uh, people that you know or on vehicles that are um, on people who have uh, like outstanding warrants, um, things like that. Uh, but if it is in an asset, uh, aspect of a traditional traffic stop, like let's say if I was going to pull you over because uh, you ran a stop sign or speeding or whatever, so it's not excessive speeds, right? So, but if I'm just trying to pull you over, um, we'll just use a stop sign example, and I light you up and then you flee, then you start hitting the excess speeds, um, you know. 70, 80 miles an hour in a residential area, um, avoiding this long-winded um, actual attempting to flee, uh, your regular stop has moved up to uh, felony stops, right? So they proceeded to do that uh, with him. Um, and, it, and I will say this, the uh, LT did not comply to any of the commands that was given to him. Now, his reasoning, 
is he said he did not feel safe, which is if you're a POC, you should probably be understandable of how he, I mean, people watch the news. He's a lieutenant in the army. He's very aware of how uh, people are treated, right? So, um, people of color are treated. And, and I'm gonna throw this quick caveat out there. This happens to people of all backgrounds. It's not, it's not just POCs. It does happen to some white individuals as well, uh, depending on one, um, the areas that they live in and the training that the police department receives. But I digress. So he did not listen to any of the commands that was given to him. They tried to unlock the, the vehicle from the inside to get it out. He was he did hold the door closed. He did have his hands up um, the whole time. They were visible uh, to them. Um, the officer, uh, this along with the department, uh, Gutierrez did make comments saying he's about to ride a lightning, which is now has been um, discovered as a term that uh, people who have worked in uh, prison systems end up referring to people who are about to be um, electrocuted on the electric chair. Um, I just, so, the really the main point of, me, of, of explaining all that and what happened is, is it, you know, like I said, the LT ended up suing and we shall see what happens from there. The officer has been uh, removed. I just wanted to give all that information since it's a more recent case that is uh, making the, the rounds now. I mean, there was a uh, another individual that was shot um, by a police officer uh, because a police officer believed that he drew his uh, taser and not his weapon and that's why he fired one single round and the guy drove off and ended up dying. Uh, the guy was attempting to flee. This is that 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 is a whole a different scenario that um, and the fairness of the taping of this pod I have not um, fully divulged in so I cannot give a lot of information on. However I uh, there is an issue with drawing your uh, handgun versus your taser and think about what you're going to get. But that is uh, what I want. The reason why, like I said, go back to it. The reason why I wanted to go ahead and bring all this up and bring it to a head and bring it to a point is because of a of a song by Jay Z called "The Story of OJ." Within that song, and sorry if there's like a little skip there, within that song, it essentially says, no matter what your skin complexion or your occupation, to some people, you will be viewed as just another nigga. Now, I know it's probably harsh, and a lot of people are sitting there saying that this wasn't the case that he wasn't profiled, he wasn't thinking about that way or anything, but this is how, I mean, to look at it, this dude had a blacked out SUV with black tinted windows and black rims, right? The police officer who lit him up because they did not see the tag, the license plate, which was the sole reason for the stop, it who did 
who did y'all honestly think he thought was in that vehicle? Just being honest. Who did he think was honestly in that vehicle? Which is probably why it's ramped up. There have been studies shown that when there are shoot, don't shoot scenarios. And if anybody reaches out to me, I'm well fine with going through all the papers I have written for the classes, for the degrees I had, to get the articles and the links and send them out to you all. Peer reviewed links. There's been studies talking about when officers have to deal with people of color, white or black, Hispanic, police officers, does not matter across the board, their anxiety level rises. And they figure this out because they have been placing these officers with different uh, nodes on their brains, you know, on their heads, obviously not directly on their brains, to try to read the brain activity when they're in there. And they've also placed them on their hands to see how tight they are holding the weapon. All that shoots through the roof when they're dealing with POCs. Why? Don't know. Now, they have said, studies have also shown this as well, that and of course, people always hate when you use the word studies because they actually want you to reference direct links and all this other stuff. I have a wealth of knowledge of all these things. I can just go ahead, find it, and resend it to you because I probably forgot more than most people know. Anyway, when it comes to some of this stuff. There have been studies showing that there's a direct correlation on how black and brown people are treated with the targets that are used by law enforcement. Most of the time you're shooting, you're shooting at black silhouettes. So if you are used to it, it is probably not hard for you at, at all to shoot something black. Even though clothes on, lighter skin complexions, obviously not as black as um, the silhouettes are, or the papers or whatever. But in normal Once again, sorry about the interruption. But um, there are, uh, like I was saying, the silhouettes normalize what you shoot at. So in the military, that's the reason why, I guess probably also because of the range, uh, when I was in, they transitioned from a butter target to like Green Ivans. Why is that? Because you don't know anybody that's green, but you're trained to shoot and you're trained to execute and you're just trained to do it all the time. Target pops up, knock them down. Target pops up, knock them down. Um, and it doesn't matter who it is. So you won't be normalized on seeing a black target pop up because a black target with a black person, that does register to people and they don't think about that. Also, like in the military, that is an issue that I'm sure probably is still going on standing, depending on the enemies that we are facing, the paper targets, a lot of times we get resemble um, those people. So, uh, people of Iraqi and uh, Afghan descent. Uh, so, it, once again, it gets you used to 
seeing the what they're wearing, seeing these targets, and going ahead and engaging with them. That helps instill some sort of bias towards these people whenever things come up, right? Once again, um, there are different things about that. Uh, people, Some people believe it, some people don't. Uh, but the problem is when it comes to, and it's some things that I have experienced, seeing it firsthand, uh, and then talking to other people. Like I said, I've mentioned this on another pod before. Law enforcement officers are taught self-preservation over everything else. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way. But what I mean is anytime you hear something that is explained or how anything goes on, it always ends up with, at some point or the other, officer safety. That's exactly what is said over and over and over again. Officer safety, officer safety, officer safety. And officers need to be safe. They need to be able to take care of themselves. They need to be able to go back home with their family. But when you drill it in your head, especially when some academies do do this, they make it to where they say, everybody's against you. This is a thankless job, which it is. Working in law enforcement security, um, most jobs um, in that in the whole law enforcement security realm are considered thankless jobs because people don't want you till they need you. They don't want to see you walking around. They don't want to see you trying to talk to people because they're going to assume that you're trying to get some information from them. But anyway, uh, you are like, don't do this the right way because I want you to make sure that anybody, it's like anybody at any time, and I think I got a little sidetrack there, you are taught everybody is out to get you. You know, it could be a regular traffic stop, then boom, all of a sudden it comes. All this. That's true. But you don't need to be on edge. When you're on edge, you become nervous. If you're nervous, you make mistakes. The, these police officers that are doing some of these actions or whatever, it could have been something that happened to somebody they didn't know before in the past. That's very true. Or it could have been every single time something goes on, somebody wants to escalate it there. And the incident with the LT, right? The younger officer kind of started uh, realizing the LT was indeed in fear of everything that was going on. The other officer did not care about this person's fear. Now, yes, once again, going back to it, the LT did not listen to any of these commands. How many people who are in fear of their life directly listen to what anybody else tells them after you feel like, once again, noted in the conversation that this officer had um, prior to it, they have it on body cam, that part of the footage or whatever, all wasn't released, that I understand why POCs drive to well-lit areas because they think it's the best thing to do for their own protection 
in case an incident like this happened, right? We don't know, and we will never know, what would have happened if that officer would have just pulled over right when he got lit up. The officer could have decided to do a felony traffic stop at that point. Because mind you, a minute and 40 seconds is not that long. Especially when they're going slow. And especially when they have their blinkers on to let you know where they're going. But, you know, we have to, it's not really ask ourselves. Ask ourselves is not the right thing. We have to demand more out of our men and women in uniform. And the way I say that is more focus has to be on the communication with a person at any time an incident occurs or can happen. The reason why I say this is security officers, for example, like myself in my current role, there's armed version of us and unarmed version of us. Drawing a weapon on somebody is the last thing that we ever want to do. And by that I mean even OC spray, baton, having to actually handcuff them, um, and if it came down to it, shooting them. These skills that we acquire and these, and these tools that we have to help us use our job are close to the last resort. We want to use verbal judo as much as we can to discuss what the person, what's going on, what their possible uh, um, consequences to their actions are, and how can we resolve this in the most peaceful manner for everybody to sit there and be fine. A lot of the time when you see a lot of these incidents occur, not all of them, some of them are warranted to whether they're stepped up to the next level and the next level and the next level. But what we are noticing in a lot of these incidents are there's not any clear communication of what is going on or why something is actually occurring, right? Once again, the same example. The LT was pulled over for not have a visible license plate that was actually visible when the officer got close to the vehicle in the well-lit area, which is why it all helped. So the reason why you were going to pull him over, it now ceased to exist. You could have went up to the vehicle. He had his window rolled down. You could have went up to the vehicle. Even if you did the same commands, have your hands out the vehicle, uh, you know, turn your vehicle off. Have your window rolled down, stick your hands out the window, and blade yourself off to the side and speak to the guy. Hey, you know, my name is Officer such and such. I pulled you over originally because I did not see the uh, license, the temp tag in your window. Uh, and then, you know, courtesy things from over that, I do see it now. Can I just happen to see? We should expect that you do have license and insurance. Something like that, run them if you decide to, but probably shouldn't because the reason why you pulled him over is not null and void. And you see now that he has the uh, temp things. Did that, thank you sir, sorry for this miscommunication. Enjoy the rest of your night, bye. The day is over. 
too many times, a lot of these officers are just assuming people should just listen to what they say because of who they are. The sad reality is people do not do that and will not do that ever. So what happens is a lot of officers take offense to the fact that somebody is no longer listening to their commands or anything that they tell them to do. So since you are not listening to them, I ramp up levels of force on you without having a real reason to do it. To do certain things, you have to assume a threat is there and that the threat is real. Gutierrez was fired, and I probably keep saying his name wrong. But anyway, he was fired because he was told that his use of force, the use of force he was in, is not within the guidelines of the police department's policy. He's been there for a while. This man has lost it all for something that is foolish. No matter how you dis how much you disagree with the lieutenant not answering commands and how he should have did certain things, that does not change the fact that the use of force that was used on him uh, wasn't excessive. And how he could have easily explained how he does certain things. I tell people this all the time, right? So I've been I've done security more than I've done what I, when I was a police officer. That is very true. I didn't experience a lot of things that some people have seen on the road. That is very true. However, in my job, uh, and what I have to deal with, I'm unarmed. That's another thing. Key thing. I'm unarmed. I have to use verbal judo. I don't have a choice. I've had to go hands-on with people who had weapons on them. I've had weapons pulled out on me. And I was able to either subdue the subject and handcuff them, or the person was able to take tail and run. Which is, take tail and run is for me, a key thing for me saying is, they didn't really get away. But, that's something that I have had to do, and I've had to hone and to perfect for my duration of doing the said job. And I have to speak to some of my coworkers on, this is how you need to handle these certain situations. These are the people that we're dealing with. And yes, anything can flip at a moment's notice, but this is what you need to do. Same thing though, everything. MP stands, same thing you know, interview stands. Same thing that you guys are taught if you do work in law enforcement in school. Same thing I'm doing at the time I'm talking to them. Same thing bladed off to where this person doesn't have a straight line to me. Same thing looking at them. Where are their hands at? What are they reaching for? Why are they doing all this other stuff? All this stuff is going on while I'm sitting there talking to them. You notice a lot of times when you talk to a lot of police officers on the street and you see them, a lot of them, they rest their hands right on top of their handgun. I remember, and I apologize to this young man so many times, when I first started working for the library, he was asking me a bunch of questions. And I had to adjust my radio, because it felt like it was about to fall out or something. I reached to adjust my radio, I'm on, he immediately put his hands up, he said, hey man, hey, 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 I'm sorry, like, I was just trying to get clear. I said, no dude, I said, I just have a radio. 
I said, I should have thought about this. This is a young teenage black boy. I said, I should have thought about that before I even did it. Because a lot of people your age do not like speaking to law enforcement. And you don't know what's going on. Like, why am I reaching back there? Like, what word that you said could have set me off that made me feel like I needed to do that for my own protection? Um, but, like I said, like, they don't normalize sitting there in the interview MP stance, as like I said, we called it. All conversations lean there. And they can say, yeah, but their hand isn't on on the pistol grip. It doesn't matter. Your hand is still there. People are noticing that when they're talking to you because they feel like you already to go from zero to 100 real quick with no probable cause, no probable reasoning. That's the thing that you want to do. We have to fix that. And you have to do it by trying to figure out how to demand what you want more out of these police academies. It's great that the police academies want people to be physically fit. However, it's a joke because once you get out, a lot of these police departments don't keep up with those same standards. So you spend years, I'm not years, sorry about that. You spend weeks running, jumping, push-up, pull-up, sit-ups to pass the academy, to go to your department and never have to run again. Never have to do a push-up again. Never have to do a sit-up again. Based off of these various protections and these payment things that they have to do to, uh, like, oh, you need a stipend to for this person to go to the gym. And they also need to allot them an hour out of their pay time day to be able to go to the gym and work out. Then you can go ahead and make these demands about them. Because these officers don't care. They don't want to do it themselves. And so anytime an incident occurs, um, well, once again, when you deal with somebody who's out of shape, people will say, well, if the cop was in more shape, then they would have not had to pull the weapon out of And even though that could be true, it's not going to hold up if that's just the whole basis of your argument because they don't have to in some departments. Not, they don't have to. Um, they don't have to stay in shape. But that's something... You know, even using that, that's something that we should, you should do yourself in the field. But the reason why I bring that up is, so instead of, if this is what we're going to do, instead of wasting time on physical fitness that is not going to be kept up for a lot of people once they reach their police department, use that to focus on customer service. Most jobs that you do being in law enforcement, uh, it's, it's essentially customer service. That's what you're doing most of the time. Most of the time, you're answering questions, uh, law, law enforcement or security. You're answering questions about, if I do this, what does this happen? Uh, people just want to generally just talk to you, especially like little kids. I mean, that's where you set the standard early, so they're not scared of police officers. Focus on that. We need to demand more of our local cities uh, and precincts and state legislator to say we need to have people talk to each other to figure out what it is that is going on and how we can do whatever it takes to prevent a lot of these issues. I'll bring you up here a situation in Nashville and I bring this up a lot to people when we talk 
about a lot of these issues is Nashville is a melting pot. We have people from different backgrounds and a lot of people who work. Like, this thing is though. We have a lot of people who lived in Middle Tennessee that work for MMPD, mainly because it pays a whole lot more than the surrounding counties. But that's where all the money has been the majority of these people's lives. So you've driven to Nashville a lot. You know some of the areas of town that's going on. You know about the people that have been here. And because of that, it's not a situation like how some counties or like some police departments are begging people from like four or five counties over saying, we'll pay you $1,500 of signing bonus to be a police officer here. You have legit people who, like I said, grew up in the Middle Tennessee area, essentially touching Davidson County, that are officers here. The training that they have when it comes to a lot of these incidences, and I try to tell this to people a lot, you realize most of the time when you have officer-involved shootings here, you don't have no big riot, no big thing or whatever, because everybody see like, it's very transparent on how these things are going. Um, we know how respected the, respectful some of the officers are. Obviously, there's assholes everywhere. There's assholes with any job. There's asshole doctors, asshole teachers. But there was an incident this past Saturday, depending on when you listen to this podcast. Uh, what's today's date? Matter of fact, just to give a ref's point. So on Saturday, the 10th of April, there was an incident where there was a fight that broke out. And when the fight broke out, one of the individuals was holding this guy down when the police were arriving. He said, he has a gun, he has a gun, he has a gun. And they knocked the gun away from him at that point in time. The officers came, was trying to take control of the situation. The guy got the weapon back. And the officers, two officers fought that man for the weapon the entire time and was able to uh, get the weapon for the guy, get the guy handcuffed. This is a young guy, I think he's about 20 five-ish years old, and detained him. Nobody, a round was fired. Nobody was shot. Nobody did anything else. The reason why I say that is a lot. sometimes when you see people that do something like that with that weapon out, an officer might go ahead and lay one in them, call it a day, because they see him as a threat. You know, and some people say he just didn't be justified in doing such. But they went out of their way to try to handle the situation, limiting the amount of risk or issues that I have with people. We had an incident a month or so ago where an officer um, uh, shot this woman who ended up uh, hitting a tree after she fled, after she shot him too, and uh, she ended up dying. People was like, where's the outrage for this? Like, Tennessee needs to get, uh, Nashville needs to get people on their back because we got up for George Floyd, but we're not getting up for this. And then when the footage and everything came out, it was like, why did she run? Why did she try to run from the officer? Why did she grab the weapon in the vehicle? She went back in the vehicle, knew the weapon was there, and the officer's giving her every chance to drop it. Now, I will say this too, is that as soon as she would have even came close to turning the weapon on me, she would have got shot before I would have got shot. And the officer was shot first, or shot at, I think, at least two or three times, but hit once before he returned fire on her when she ended up driving off and, like, hitting a tree. I would have definitely got her 
before shooting at me. But that's the whole thing is going through the whole process and the whole motion of the proper training on how to handle a lot of these situations using your verbal commands of having, trying to get that person to calm down or uh, to obey at a certain point. Uh, also, the police academy here in Tennessee, or Nashville rather, uh, the police academy here in Nashville, they have a civil rights and civil society meeting at the Nashville Public Library every time there's a new academy, COVID notwithstanding, and they speak about civil rights things, things in the community, things that the people of Nashville want from their police officers, and it has become very well. It's a na nationally recognized program now that we have, that we provide for officers um, to come check out and see. That's the type of things that we need to have in the community. Officers need to get back to engaging with the people that's in there. Like, the FOP, that every time a lot of these things happen and you see them, they'll come out and they'll try to turn around with police people don't know what I'm talking about. A lot of times people will come out and say, look at us, everybody's against us, you know, but when something happens, look who they're going to call. They're going to have to need us. They're going to have to respond. They're going to have to do this. You notice people don't, and then uh, and then they say all they do is say, uh, um, "A cab, all cops are bastards," and that's how they look at us. That's not how the majority of people look at you all. A lot of people respect the position that you have more than hate. The thing is, is that they want the accountability to be there. If you're professional enough, so we'll put this out here too about the fitness thing, bringing it back to that. If you're professional enough to go to the gym, to go to the range, to go to martial arts class or whatever, to enhance your physical well-being and your weapon expertise, take the time to go visit people in the community when you're in plain clothes and talk to different people in the community. Take the time to look up a TED talk about customer service and how what we need to do to do law enforcement. Take the time to read a book on how to effectively uh, do your police job and make people feel comfortable, especially uh, people of color. Take the time to do that as well. Until we have officers that take the time to invest in the mental aspect of their job and realizing who you have to deal with, different backgrounds, and being able to comfortably talk to somebody, to talk them down and do whatever else, we will continue to have the problems that we have now. As long as we have academies that want to instill fear or police unions that want to instill fear and not only instill fear there are some police departments that have even said that they would withdraw aid uh, verbally they should not have the police are not over the people they're supposed to be helping the people so 
we have to make sure we hit the nail on the head with this and start asking more. Start asking our officers to take the time to work on the true skill that they need to do their job and that's customer service. This is not about being really badass. This is not about, I was picked last in high school, so now I'm, I'm the authority figure now. Everybody has to listen to me. It's, hey, I'm Officer Miller. Uh, I pulled you over today because I couldn't see your tag in the window. That's what we're here for. The very simple conversation that solves a lot of headaches. But while that's going on, it's still being, where's his hands? What's he looking for? Is there anybody else in the back window I can see? It's still doing all that, but it is making sure that the, the person that you're speaking to is comfortable as comfortable as they can be about the situation. Of course, it's about, you know, you need to be able to ramp up whenever you need to be able to ramp up. But you always got to realize like this is a voice of reasoning. You realize when two people are arguing, and we're going to close here in a little bit, like I'm talking like it's a, a sermon at church. Because uh, I went longer than what I intended to. But uh, that's what happens when you get a little bit passionate about a lot of these things. When you you have to you have to just realize officers are not the only person. Officers are not the only people who want to go home at the end of a traffic stop or the end of a conversation on the street with the law enforcement officer. The person that you're speaking to, nine times out of ten, 99 out of 100, 999 times out of 1,000, wants to go back home to their families as well. So to perfect your craft, you have to stop neglecting the most important part of the craft which is basic customer service. This is how you become legendary and greatness is earned.